Employment Hour right here, one 821 5900 and it is help at employmenthour.com. You'll want to send Lior an email anytime during the show. Got lots of stuff to get through today. Brother, we always start with the week that was. That's right, Johnny. Thank you very much, and happy to always be back here for our, our weekend show on uh, employment law, workplace rights, human rights, constructive dismissal, termination, severance. We're going to cover all those and more as we usually do, and, and hopefully uh, you learn something new about your workplace rights, because guess what? We all have jobs, you all work, uh, and it's important that we know what our rights and obligations are, whether we're employers or employees. And I like to start off with two scenarios, two situations that I dealt with uh, over the past few days, and hopefully our listeners, again, employers and employees, have something to take from that. Uh, the first one deals with the duty to accommodate. Now, we've talked about the duty to accommodate before, of course, mm-hmm. John, and that, that's the duty usually that an employer has to uh, to help an employee that has some limitation. Oftentimes, it's a medical condition, uh, disability, and they can come back to work, but they need help. They need accommodation. And the employer has the obligation, a very strict obligation, to allow them to do that, to help them out, to provide that accommodation. Now, in this situation that I'll tell you about, uh, the person uh, had worked for about seven years for uh, a company uh, as a machine operator, and he got injured at work, and uh, he hurt his back uh, quite sig- uh, significantly. He was off for uh, about six weeks or so recuperating, and after six weeks, he was able to come back to work on modified duties. Essentially, what he needed is he could continue operating the machine, but he needed some help with the job. Usually, when something heavy had to be lifted, the employer had to arrange for someone to come and help him lift that heavy equipment. Right. Otherwise, he could do his job, no limitations otherwise, so not nothing too bad. The employer accommodated him, and they let him do that, and he was doing that for about six months. Here's what happened, though. After six months, the employer says, well, now we think that we don't want to accommodate you anymore. Now enough is enough. It's been six months. We don't want to have to help you anymore. And because of that, we don't think we owe you anything. You can uh, you can be off work. And if at some point you don't have that limitation, you can reapply for a job here. So, so long, farewell. And of course, we don't have to do anything or pay anything. Mm-hmm. And that's when the person calls me quite upset, quite emotional, because uh, he understands that uh, he just lost his job. It's going to be very difficult to find another job. And he asks me, well, is this right? Well, you know, you, you probably know our listeners, hopefully, that the ones that have been listening to us for a while should know that that is completely illegal. Number one, an employer has a duty to accommodate, as I said. And that duty doesn't end after six months, after eight months, 12 months. It continues as long as it's possible to provide that accommodation. So the employer cannot decide after six months that it doesn't want to accommodate. So right there, the failure to accommodate is a human rights matter. It's, a, it's illegal. Uh, they violated these human rights entitlements uh, and their obligation to provide accommodation. Right there in issue number one. Issue number two, of course, irrespective of the duty to accommodate, the fact that they let him go obviously means he gets severance. Mm-hmm. You cannot let him go without compensation, without severance. And after those years, he probably was owed around nine months' pay. Uh, so not only did he have his human rights violated, he was wrongfully dismissed. So in this scenario, really the employer did everything wrong that he could do in this scenario. Uh, and I'm working with him right now to, to help him. This is going to get resolved very quickly, of course. And it's, there's an important lesson there for employers and employees. You have a duty to accommodate an employee. You, you have the right to be accommodated. It's a very strict, serious duty, and an employer can't decide they don't want to do it 
or enough is enough. Uh, and if they don't accommodate, that's a human rights issue. So remember that and don't let that happen to you. If you are in a situation where your employer is refusing to accommodate you, is not providing the help you need for you to go back into the workplace, give me a call. Let me deal with it and try to resolve the matter. So very important. one 821 is that number. What else you got for us? The second situation involved an employer that thought, I guess, it was very smart and that it found a way to get around some of our, our termination laws. Well, what happened in this situation is uh, an employee worked for a company for about three years, and she, uh, she had a medical condition, and as a result of that medical condition, had to be off work. Well, the employer decided that it had to let her go, and I think the decision itself was legitimate. They were cutting costs. They were letting a bunch of people go, and told her, we're going to give you notice of termination. So uh, we're going to tell you that we're giving you four months' notice of termination, and in four months, you don't have a job. Uh, she was off dealing with it. She didn't really pay attention to that notice. But after four months, she got a letter from the employer saying, as we told you four months ago, your employment is now terminated. We wish you all the best in your future endeavors. And that's when she called me. And she said, well, what does that mean? Can they give me notice? Well, why did I say this employer is trying to be smart or thought they were clever? Because they thought that by giving notice to an employee that's not at work, they now don't have to pay the employee anything. Mm -hmm. They gave them notice. They don't pay them anything because they're off work, so they've complied with their obligation. Well, that's nonsense. An employee does not or cannot get notice while they're off work. And any notice you give an employee that's not off work, notice of termination, does not count. So what happened with this employee, she was let go without any notice, and she's owed probably five, six months of severance. So even though an employer is generally allowed to give notice of termination, and we'll talk about that more later in the show, that notice cannot be given to an employee that's off work. So in this situation, because she was off work, she gets severance. The notice doesn't count. So again, an important lesson for our listeners, you cannot effectively get notice of termination if you're not at work for, for really for any reason. Very important. Outstanding stuff, my friend. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and help at employmenthour.com. Lots more of the show. We're getting right into it here on the Employment Hour, so stick around after a short break right here on Talk Radio AM six forty and AM nine hundred CHML. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and help at employmenthour.com to get a hold of the or anytime. So we're gonna get into this. Uh, being let go from your job without realizing it sounds weird, but in many situations, uh, you know, you may consider you have lost your job, but you may not even know it. So the law would think that anyway. Uh, I'll run through some of these and you can expand uh, forthwith. Temporary layoff. We love that term. We do. And, and you know, most of the time, obviously, John, if someone loses their job, they get a letter saying, sorry, we have to let you go. And, and you know that's what's happened to you if, if you get a letter like that. It's obvious. It's clear. I just lost my job. But there are situations where the law deems or considers you to have lost your job, but it's not obvious. It's not a situation where you actually get a letter of termination. It's simply by operation of law. And you need to know those things if you're working because if the law see, says that you can treat your employment as being terminated, in some situations you want to see you, you want to jump at that opportunity because leaving and getting compensation may be better than staying uh, in, in the workplace. And a prime example is what you've just said, John, which is a temporary layoff. So if you get a quote-unquote temporary layoff, your employer is not going to tell you that they're terminating your employment. They're simply saying, we're laying you off temporarily. Maybe the business is slow. We're hoping that it's going to pick up. And we're going to call you back to work at some point down the road. So we're not terminating your employment. It's just a temporary layoff. Well, guess what? As, as you know, and hopefully our longtime listeners know, 
a temporary layoff is a termination. The law considers that a termination. An employer does not have a right to lay you off temporarily, which means if you have been laid off temporarily, you can treat that as a termination of employment and get your severance right now. You don't have to sit at home for months waiting, hoping, praying that the employer is going to call you back to work and in the meantime you have no compensation and no income. You can treat that as a termination. The only exception to that is situations where you've let the employer do that to you in the past. You've let your employer lay you off in the past and by doing that, you've now arguably given them the right to do it again. That's why I said it may be better if you've been laid off temporarily to treat that as a termination now and not come back to work in six months if they call you back uh, because you don't want to let them or give them the right to do it again. So remember, a temporary layoff is a classic situation where the law considers you terminated even though you haven't received a termination letter. Situations where the law may consider you, uh, you know, having lost your job, you may not even know it. How about changes in terms of employment? You get this in your office all the time. Yes, and the concept, the term is a constructive dismissal. Mm -hmm. If your employer changes the terms of your employment uh, significantly in a negative way, then you can treat your employment as being terminated. Now we're talking about things such as pay reductions, uh, demotions, relocations, any of those changes that are going to be negative. You know, you're now going to have to take a lower salary, you're going to have to commute an extra two hours a week or whatever it is to get to work because of these changes. When though, whenever those changes happen, the law considers you or gives you at least the option to treat that change as a termination. So you can treat that as a termination, leave and get severance. You don't have to accept the change. You don't have to think, well, what do I, what choice do I have? My employer's telling me they're doing it. So I guess they're doing it and there's nothing that I can do. So a change to the terms of employment, not any change. So if you're uh, now relocated to uh, an office down the road. No, that's not a significant enough change. If your compensation gets changed from $50,000 to $49,000, that's not going to make you happy, but that's probably not going to be enough to be a constructive dismissal. But a significant change uh, that's a negative one, you can treat as a termination. And another example of when you've really been terminated without actually anyone telling you that you have been. The number is one 821 5900 Another example, how about unpaid suspensions? Describe that. Yeah, and, and you know a lot of people get confused by that. And so let me uh, clarify it. Generally speaking, an employer does not have a right to suspend you without pay. So you may have done something wrong. Maybe they're investigating. They can suspend you, but it would have to be with pay, assuming there's a legitimate reason to suspend you. They can't suspend you for no reason. But they cannot suspend you without pay. A suspension without pay is is a constructive dismissal, therefore is a termination. Uh, I, I've had many situations over the years where people call me saying, well, I've been suspended without pay, uh, I've been at home now for two weeks waiting for them to tell me what they're going to do. Well, you don't have to wait. You can, you, well, you can, or you can treat that suspension without pay as a termination and leave and get severance. An employer doesn't have a right to do that, and for the employers out there listening, suspensions is a tool that you can use in your arsenal in terms of disciplinary measures, but it cannot, should not be an unpaid suspension. It has to be a paid one. An unpaid suspension almost always would result in a constructive dismissal, not something you want to do. If you're on suspension and they're not paying you, aren't you kind of guilty before the fact? <laughs> well, yeah. You know, I mean, certainly, and I've had cases before where an employee's being uh, uh, put on an unpaid suspension while the employer investigates. Right. Well, wait a second. 
you're investigating to find out if I did something wrong. So why are we punishing? You're punishing me while you're fi finding right. out whether you should be punishing me. So that's absurd. Uh, so no, an unpaid suspension for that reason and others, John, absolutely, is not something an employer can do. The, the difference there is in a unionized environment, an, an employer does generally have a right to suspend without pay, but for a non-union employee, an employer cannot do that. We'll get to uh, one more, squeeze it in before the break, and this is situations where the law may consider you having lost your job, but you may not even know it, uh, sale of a business. This one uh, we get phone calls on all the time as well. That's right. Uh, whenever an employer sales, uh, sells a business, uh, no matter what, if the business is being sold, you have the right to treat your employment as being terminated, even if you're offered a job by the buyer. So it's not a situation where you're simply continuing. You can continue if you want but you'd also have the choice to treat your employment as being terminated, irrespective of whether or not someone wants to keep you on. So now, in terms of severance that you get, if you decide to treat your employment as terminated, now the amount of severance would depend on why you're not staying on. If you're not staying on because the job that they've offered you is a very different job, less pay, maybe it's just not a, an attractive position that they've offered you, then you get your full severance. On the other hand, if you've, you don't really have a good reason not to accept, you just want to leave, uh, then you still get severance, except you would get less severance. You would get your minimum amount of mm -hmm. severance. But generally speaking, as soon as a sale of business happens, when the business is sold, the, the ownership of the business now changes hands. You have a right at that time to treat your employment as being terminated rather than continue working. Again, it's a choice. So mm -hmm. you can treat or you can decide to continue working. And then if you do continue working with the buyer, your seniority will carry through. It's going to carry forward to the new buyer. But you may also be able to leave and get compensation irrespective of why you don't want to continue. Quick break, one 821 5900 and simply help at employmenthour.com. We'll get to some emails a little later on in the show. As we continue our discussion uh, where the law may consider you having lost your job, you may not even know it. It's coming right up. Employment Hour continues on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The number one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com to get a hold of the or. We're talking about our conversation right in the middle of it. In situations where the law may consider you as having lost your job, you may not even know it. Uh, this one we covered uh, in some uh, some degree on the week that was not as failure to accommodate. Yeah, and an employer, as I said, that right at the top of the show, John, uh, has a duty to provide that accommodation. Now, we talked at the top of the show about accommodation as a result of a medical condition, but that's not the only accommodation that can happen. Another accommodation, as an example, is, well, you know, if I'm a, a religious person and uh, my religious beliefs are such that I have to be able to, to leave work at a certain time in order to... to practice my religion, assuming that's legitimate, an employer has to provide that accommodation. They have to make arrangements to allow me to, to leave at that time in order to, uh, to, to practice my religion. Another thing may be an accommodation as a result of family status. Usually that means that an, if an employee has certain childcare responsibilities and the only way they can meet those childcare responsibilities is by some help from their employer. Again, maybe allowing them to come in late uh, every once in a while so they can take their child to daycare. An employer has to provide that accommodation. So there's several ways and several reasons an employer would have to provide that accommodation. And that is a very sig a significant, very serious obligation that they have. It's under the human rights legislation, a very important uh, piece of, uh, of legislation that we have. So when an employer doesn't do that, when an employer refuses to provide that accommodation, 
it's such a fundamental thing that they have to provide that when they don't, that is a termination. Just by failing to provide an accommodation, failing to comply with their human rights obligation, the employee can treat that as a termination. They've been terminated. They can leave and get severance. Now, I don't want every person that says, well, my employer didn't do what I asked them, therefore I'm terminated. That's not necessarily the case. There actually has to be a duty to accommodate. That doesn't apply in every situation. So if you're in that position, if you're, you, you have something, you need your help from your employer, maybe it's to, to help you with a medical condition, religious belief, family, anything like that, and your employer is not going to be, is not cooperative, give me a call. Okay, I don't want you quitting. I don't want you doing anything before we've spoken first because first we need to make sure that you're right. You're right to ask your employer to provide that accommodation. If you are and if they're not doing it still, then you have legal recourse. Then there's absolutely something you can do about it. So remember that if you're an employer, uh, you have to provide accommodation. If you're an employee, if you're not being accommodated when you should be, that is a termination. So if, I mean, take it from the employer's side. So if you have to leave work, say, Friday at noon to go to mosque or something and, and pray, right. that's fine. Now, can the employer say, okay, but you got to make up that time on Tuesday, the week, the, the couple days prior, or can they, get, they do that? Yes. They have to, right? Yeah, an employer can absolutely do that. They provide that accommodation mm-hmm. to you. Uh, that doesn't mean that they can't ask you to make that, that time. There's no, again, unless there's a religious reason, again, why you can't do it. Yes, an employer can make you or have you make up that time, and it is a two-way street. An right. employee has to be an active participant in their own accommodation. It doesn't necessarily all fall on the employer's shoulders. An employee needs to do his or her share to make that accommodation happen. So it's a very good point. An employer should, uh, you know, what the employer has to do is only part of the equation. The employee has to cooperate. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number, and help at employmenthour.com. Talking about situations where the law may consider you as having lost your job, but you are not aware of it. How about uh, poisoned work environment? I'm not talking arsenic here. I'm talking people around you, <laughs> and maybe even harassment. How about that? Yeah, and you know exactly when we're talking about poison work environment, we're usually, I guess, it's possible, but usually we're not talking about actual uh, chemicals being put right. into your, your, your food in the lunchroom. Uh, we're talking about a work situation, a work environment that's created that makes it uncomfortable or even impossible to continue working. Maybe you're now subject to improper conduct by a boss or maybe your coworkers are, are treating you badly. So this work environment now has become poisoned. It's a work environment that's not healthy, that's not conducive to work. Whenever a work environment becomes poisoned, whether it's because of harassment or other reasons, if in fact you can establish that that's what's happened, that poisoned work environment could result in you treating your employment as being terminated. We all have a right to work in a healthy, productive, supportive Mm -hmm. work environment. All of us. That's an implied term in every employment uh, relationship. So what happens if that important term is violated now we're not working on supporting supportive work environment. We're working in a poisoned work environment. Well, because that's happened, we can treat that employment, our employment, as being terminated, leave, and get full severance. Now, of course, the employee would have to establish what actually happened, why they were mistreated, why the work environment has become poisoned. But if you can establish that, you're absolutely able to leave get your full severance, and not have to deal with that, that nasty work situation that, that was created. Having proving that or having to prove that is a reason why you often keep written records, right? Keep notes. Always a good idea, yeah. John, to keep written records. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that a he said, she said situation uh, can't be successful. No, you absolutely can be okay with that. But 
the the written record always trumps. Uh, so if you're able to to get uh, to to create a record, send someone an email confirming what's happened. Create a have a log or a journal where you write down contemporaneously what's going on. That's how you create a written written record. And if you have to deal with workplace harassment, discrimination, a a poison work environment, that is the best way to prove that. And it makes your life, our lives, much easier if we have to deal with that. Because usually, if we're going to say someone uh, in, in the workplace harassed you, mm-hmm. usually they're not going to put up their hands and say, yes, shucks, you know, we did it. Yeah, I did it. I'm uh, proud of we'd it. We'd have yeah. to prove it. Yeah. We'll take a uh, quick break, man. We'll get to one more before we move on to working notice. The number one eight five five eight two one. 5900 and help at employmenthour.com. We'll get to a couple emails uh, when we come back as well. The empl- <clears throat> choking. The employment choking. hour. Yeah, that's it. Sorry. The employment hour right here. Talk radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. 1 855 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com. We're going to finish off uh, this particular uh, topic, and that is situations where the lawmaking city is having lost your job, but you're not even aware of it. And finally, being off on a disability for a long period of time. Yeah, and if you're off on a disability for for a lengthy period of time, and if it's not likely that you're going to be coming back to work because of that uh, medical condition, then guess what? You can now treat your employment as being terminated. It's we call that a frustration of contract. Usually, a frustration of contract is something that the employer does in the sense that the employer may say, "Well, employee, you've been off work for so long. We now think this is a frustration of contract, and employment has ended." But if it's clear that you're not coming back to work anymore because of your medical condition, you, the employee, can also treat this as a frustration of contract. Mm -hmm. Now, why is that important? It's important because if it is a frustration of contract, you still get severance. Now, you're not going to get your full severance. You're only going to get a part of your severance, but you still get severance. It could be ultimately as much as eight months pay, whereas you know, your full severance could be much more than that. Uh, in this situation, uh, again, some severance is better than no severance. So how does this work? You've been off work for a while. Usually we're talking about a year, couple of years even. It's not getting better. Your doctor's telling you you're not going to be going back to work. You now at that point can consider your employment as being terminated, even though the company never lets you go. They never said you're not our employee anymore. If it's not going to happen, then you're not going to go back to work then we can call it what it is. We can say this employment has ended. It's not your fault. It's not the employer's fault. Something intervened. It's a frustration of contract. Therefore, it's a it's a termination. Therefore, you still get severance. So again, very important. If you've been off work now and it's un- or if it's clear or likely that you're not coming back to work anymore, give me a call. Let's figure out how we get you compensation so that uh, you know you, you're not just sitting there uh, and, and not getting something that you're owed. Help at employmenthour.com is the email. We'll get to one, uh, as promised, from Phil writes in, says, I was hired because the employee that held the position before me went on disability. After two years, this other employee is coming back to work, and my employer is telling me that the only choice is to relocate, uh, uh, pardon me, one and a half hours away. What what are my options? What do I do? Yeah, no, very good point. And this goes back to to what we talked earlier about uh, relocation and constructive Mm -hmm. dismissal. Your employer in this case is telling you uh, you have to relocate an hour and a half away, irrespective of what the reason is. In this case, the reason is that someone that was doing the job before is now coming back to work. So that's fine. That's a legitimate reason. But irrespective of the reason, because it's such a significant change, you're now going to have to commute an hour and a half away. That's 100% a constructive dismissal which means you can treat it as a constructive dismissal, leave and get your severance. You do not, don't have to uh, 
quit. You don't have to commute an hour and a half. You don't have to wonder, what do I do? You can con uh, consider your employment terminated if you want, or of course you can accept the change and, and start commuting to the new place, but you don't have to. So certainly an hour and a half uh, commute uh, extra over and above what you were already doing would always, always be a constructive dismissal. So definitely give me a call. Let's talk about that. Let's figure out how much you're owed and whether it makes sense for you to leave and get severance. Phil, and for everyone else, at number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Let's talk about uh, working notice. What is working notice for termination? Now, we always talk, John, on the show about severance. We talk about the compensation mm -hmm. that an employee is owed if the employee is let go from their job, if the employee lost their job. And uh, as you know, an employee is entitled to quite a, a significant amount of severance. Now, uh, another way an employer can meet its severance obligations is actually by not paying severance at all and instead giving what we call notice or working notice of termination. So as an example, if an employee is owed six months severance, just as an example, one of the ways the employer can meet the obligation to pay that six months compensation to the employee is to tell the employee in advance, employee, we are now giving you six months notice of termination. In other words, six months from now, you don't have a job. Until then, you have a job, you'll continue to work, you'll continue to get paid, and in six, six months, we're going to shake your hand and say goodbye. Mm -hmm. Now, assuming the employer got the amount of notice correct, so they didn't under give notice, they didn't under uh, underpay, then that's one way the employer can give working notice of termination and meet its obligations. Now, a lot of employers don't like working notice of termination because they may not like keeping an employee there once they've been told right. that they no longer have a job. They may be concerned about, uh, about safety and productivity. Uh, but certainly that is an option that an employer has. Obviously for the employee, it may not be as an attractive an option. I mean, all things being equal, if you're going to get six months pay, you'd probably rather not have to work for it than work for it. But certainly that is an option that an employer has to meet its severance obligation by not giving severance, by giving notice. Is it legal? It is legal. And a lot of employees give, get very upset. And I understand why. You know, they... they they believe that they're owed severance and the employer is giving them notice in some situations as much as two years notice. So I, I definitely have seen cases where an employer says to the employee, employee, I'm telling you today that two years from now, you don't get severance anymore. Sorry, you don't have a job anymore and you're not going to get severance because we gave you two years notice. And, you know, the employee is not going to like that. The employee is not going to uh, like the fact that, you know, I've, I've worked for the company for 30 years. They're letting me go, and I'm actually not getting any severance because they gave me notice in advance. Now, luckily for the employee, that doesn't happen very often. We don't often see uh, working notice and, and very rarely see lengthy working notice, but it certainly is legal, and some employers absolutely do that. When the employer turns around and say, how do you guys possibly know where this company is going to be in two years? How can you give me two years working notice? And that's 100% true, but here's how it works. If uh, if an employee is, in fact, owed two years' notice or two years' severance, and the employee gets two years' notice, if something happens and maybe the business shuts down or something, or the employee is not needed before then, the employee still has to get paid the balance of mm -hmm. the two years. So after six months, something happens and the employer can't continue employing the employee, fine. They still have to pay another 18 months' pay in that example. So ultimately, the employer or the employee may not necessarily care 
what happens with the company because they know one of two things will happen. Either they get the balance of their notice or if they're let go before the notice period expires, they still have to get paid it by way of severance. Either way, you have to get paid. one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com. We'll continue with our discussion of working notice, what it is, how it works. Uh, lots more coming up in the Employment Hour. It's Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com. Our discussion continues on working notice. So, uh, you know, you get working notice, you know, we're letting you, well, not letting you go, but you don't have a job in six months, so we're letting you know now that in six months now you're out the door. What happens if the employee, eh, they don't want to continue working? And, you know, that's a, a call that I often get. You know, the call would go something like this. Leroy, I got uh, six months, eight months, 12 months, whatever it is, notice, but I don't want to work. I just want to leave and get severance. What right. do I do? Well, the reality, John, is that there's really not much that you can do. And, and if you leave in the meantime, while you got, while you were in that notice period, the law considers you as having resigned. And if you've resigned, you don't get any compensation. So all, ultimately, as long as you're you're being treated properly, as long as uh, you know the work environment is now poison, it's not poison or nasty or anything like that. There's not much you could do if you don't want to work. You can certainly quit. You don't have to stay working, but you, then you don't get severance. You don't get compensation. So it's a personal decision, but it is important to know that if you get notice of termination, advance notice, as, as unhappy as you may be, and you know I'd probably be unhappy as well, if you quit instead of continuing to work, that is a resignation. It's legal to resign, but that still means you don't get any severance. Does an employee, uh, employee ever have a chance to negotiate maybe? Yeah, and then, you know, everything is negotiable when it comes to this. Ultimately, though, the employer has to comply with its legal obligation. So if the employer provided adequate notice, then an employer may not be willing to negotiate. Oftentimes, an employer may provide inadequate notice, and then we can negotiate either an extension of the notice period or severance on the back end. And in fact, I'll tell you now that in the vast majority of cases that I see when it deals, when it comes to working notice, the employee was given completely insufficient right. notice, completely inadequate notice. So someone may have been owed eight months notice or severance, and they got two months. And so that, all that means is the employer needs to make up the difference on the back end by way of severance. How much should they be getting? I guess it's not a fixed number, is it? Well, the amount of notice someone should get is the exact same amount of severance they mm-hmm. would be owed, and that's based on their age, their position, and the length of their employment. So you can use the severance calculator for that, severancepaycalculator.com. You input your age, your position, and length of your employment, and you find out how much you're owed. And let's say you, you went through that analysis, and the result is 12 months. So you're losing your job. What does the employer have to do? They can let you go today and pay you 12 months. So we're going to say goodbye to you today. Here's a check for 12 months compensation. Off you go. Or the employer may be able to say, well, we're not letting you go today, but we're giving you 12 months notice. So we're telling you today that 12 months from now, you don't have a job. So that's one way they could do it. Another way they could be do a combination of the two. So we're giving you three months notice and we're going to pay you for nine months on the back end of it right. or six months notice and then six months severance. Any combination that results in the right amount. Where the problems arise, and this is extremely common in most of those cases, that the employer, just like employers don't pay uh, adequate severance uh, in the vast majority of cases, employers also don't give adequate notice. Right. So you may see someone that's worked for the company for 15 years and they're given two months notice. And of course, they're owed more. And, you know, Someone like that could be owed 16 months notice or severance. And if they only got two months notice, 
then the employer owes them another 14 months pay severance on the back end of it. So remember that, and you can always use the severance calculator at severancepaycalculator.com. We'll get to that in a few minutes as well. Let's, uh, let me ask you this. Um, can the employer change the terms of employment during that notice period? Because they might have given you six months notice or eight months notice, right? Yeah, and, and oftentimes that is a concern that people have. Well, how do I know that my employer is not going to you know, mess with me, if you will, during that period of time? They're not going to uh, you know, reduce my pay, yep. change my job, demote me, etc.? Well, remember, what we talked about, constructive dismissal, an employer can never do that. An employer can never change your terms of employment in a negative way, even after the notice is given. So you were given six months notice, and a month into that notice, your employer reduces your pay. Well, at that moment, you've been constructively dismissed, and now you can leave, even though you got notice, and not have to continue working and now get your severance. So an employer cannot, under any circumstances, change the terms of your employment just because it provided you advance notice of termination. They can't say, we're giving you six months notice of termination and then go around and reduce your pay, demote you, relocate you, do anything like that. So that shouldn't be a concern. And if that does happen to you, you know what to do. You give me a call. 1-855-821-5900 is that number. The email address is help at employmenthour.com. Lots more of the show coming up here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. 1-855-821-5900 and help at employmenthour.com. That is the email address. Get to a couple now. Lisa quite simply says, my employer has cut my hours in half. What do I do? Yeah, well, you know, this is exactly in line of what we were talking about uh, earlier on the show with an employer changing terms of employment. Now, Assuming what Lisa means is that uh, that her employer is cutting her hours in half and corresponding pay, uh, then that's a constructive dismissal. Because if they were cutting her hours in half but they're still paying her the same, hey, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Less less work, same money, not a bad thing. But obviously, uh, you know, I'm joking. In this situation, an employer would presumably also cut pay. An employer does not have a right to change or cut your pay by half or, or even by a quarter or even by a tenth. So because of that, if you've been uh, put in a situation where you're making less money and got half, that's a constructive dismissal. You would have to be crazy to continue working in that situation. You're far, far, far better off leaving and getting severance. And there's, there's two reasons why you don't want to continue working in this situation. The first one is, number one, by allowing them to reduce your pay, you've given them the right to do it again. So today is half, next month could be another half, and then by the time we're done, there's nothing left. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is if you accept this reduction of your pay in half and a month later they want to let you go, now they still have to pay you severance, Mm -hmm. except at that point the severance is calculated based on the lower income. So essentially you lost half your severance. So that's a terrible idea. Uh, if uh, If your pay is reduced that significantly, you have to, have to treat that as a constructive dismissal. Give me a call as soon as possible before you accept, before you continue working, and let's make sure that we get you everything you wrote. Talia writes in, says, uh, I'm supposed to return to work from a maternity leave in a couple months. My employer just called, told me they don't have a job for me when my employment uh, will terminate. Is this legal? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, yeah. you, you're laughing because, you know, what, what, what is my rule of thumb? And that is you don't mess, mess. with mamas. You don't mess with mamas. You don't mess with pregnant employees, employees on maternity leave, parental leave. You just don't do it. So the first question is, why is Talia's employment being terminated? We don't know that. I don't have that information. I want to understand whether it's somehow related to her leave. Maybe the employer decided that they want to keep her replacement instead of her. Or maybe it's legitimate. Maybe the whole department is shut down and everyone's being let go. So number one, 
we want to find out if there's a human rights issue. Number two, I'm actually concerned about her being let go a couple of months before her mad leave ends because the employer should be taking her back to work and the employer cannot even decide two months early if they have a job for her. They should let her come back and at that point decide legitimately whether there's a job because today there may not be a job, but two months from now, when she's ready to come back uh, from mad leave, there could be lots of jobs available. They could be desperate for people. So you can't jump the gun. And by jumping the gun like that, potentially it's another human rights issue. It could also be a violation of the Employment Standards Act. So it's a very bad idea. Final issue here is the amount of severance. Even those other issues aside, obviously Talia is owed severance based on her age, her position, and the length of her employment. And if I'm a betting man, I'm betting on the fact that her employer, the, the severance that they've offered her would be not even close to being adequate so Talia, there's a lot that you and I need to speak about. Give me a call as soon as possible. Let's talk about that and, and, and let me find out some more and we can decide exactly what to do about your matter. one 821 5900 is that number. Last couple minutes here. Rip through the uh, severance pay calculator as promised and enlighten us all, shall you? That's right. Uh, thank you, John. And, and uh, it's a tool that, that we created, uh, my firm and I, uh, I guess it's almost three years ago now or about three years. And severance calculator, as the name suggests, that's what we picked the name. It calculates the amount of severance that you owed if you lost your job. doesn't matter why you lost your job, if it's bad economy, if your employer is just not happy with you, uh, if the employer shut down a department. For whatever reason, the severance calculator can tell you what you're owed. So how does it work? You go to severancepaycalculator.com and you input three things your age, your position, and the length of your employment. It's very simple to use. It's just a drop-down menu. And then that's it. It's done. It's over. It's going to tell you how many weeks or months pay you are owed. Very simple. Uh, Anyone can use it. It's completely free. It takes 10 seconds. And that's all there is to it. And it's an important tool to have in your back pocket because you may lose your job or maybe you already have, and you need to know that you're getting, getting everything that you're owed. That severance is so important. It's the money that you're going to have to carry you to support you, to pay your bills, to pay your family's obligations until you find another job. You don't want to find out that you owed a year's pay and you accepted three months' pay. Mm-hmm. I get that every day. So use the severance calculator. Know what you owed. Contact me if you want directly from the calculator. There's a green button you can use if you want. Severancepaycalculator.com. Until next time, my friend, the number is one 821 5900 That's the phone number. The email is help at employmenthour.com. And to reiterate, once again, make sure you write that down and visit it and check it out. It is severancepaycalculator.com. This has been the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.